0: Good morning, Coast Vineyard. How are you doing? You must be doing great because you're all chatting to each other, which I love to see. As Matt mentioned, we are launching into this new series of looking at wisdom, and in particular wisdom that helps us with the art of living well, which is pretty cool. Let me tell you just a couple of quotes I found this week about Friendship. True friendship is when you walk into their house and your Wi-Fi connects automatically. The author was unknown, but it was probably the internet. Uh, True friendship multiplies the good in life and divides its evils. Strive to have friends, for life without friends is like life on a desert island. To find one real friend in a lifetime is good fortune. To keep him or her is a blessing. Last one, there is nothing better than a friend unless it is a friend with chocolate, which I have to say, I would totally agree with, have something of a chocolate addiction. Uh, So we are kind of kicking into this series of uh, Proverbs, looking at the book of Proverbs, which is one of the wisdom books that we find in the Bible. There's a few books that are called wisdom literature, and uh, their goal is to help to form us morally, spiritually, and help us to actually figure out what does it mean to live out this life of faith in real and practical terms. And that's one of the things I love about Scripture, is it's not just these big ideas that is like super removed from real life. Proverbs in particular is absolutely packed with really great insight into the real stuff of living. You know, and over the next few weeks, we're unpacking all sorts of topics as we look at some of that. And so today, we're going to lean into this whole thing of friendship and relationship. And in particular, how do we stay friends through hell and high water? How do we cultivate and develop and nourish friendships that are going to withstand all of the rigors of life, all of the highs and the lows that we go through together? And so we're going to have a wee look at that today. Because relationships are just super important, aren't they, to life. We know that we, if our relationships are going well, particularly our key relationships and friendships, that we generally feel like life is good. If things aren't going well in our key friendships and relationships, then think, you know, like, it's a big, it's a downer, you know. All of life doesn't feel so good when there's damage being done there or we're not doing so well. Muhammad Ali said this, Friendship is the hardest thing in the world to explain. It's not something that you learn in school, but if you haven't learned the meaning of friendship, you really haven't learned anything. Who knew that a boxer could be so wise? It's true, though. Like, friendship is one of the most important things. How to do relationships well is like this key life skill. However, it's not always so easy to pin down and to learn, is it? like where do we go to learn this stuff you know we initially we start learning from our family don't we and friends you know the friends of the family and family members that's where we start however they aren't always a helpful reference for us this last week Matt and I were asked to go and uh, speak at a residential home in the area called a girl called Hope and they do amazing work with young women who, are, who just need help to be able to become free of life-controlling issues, all kinds of different stuff, eating disorders, survivors of sexual abuse, addictions, all kinds of things that have just trapped them. And one of the things that they need to go right back to basics with these young women is, is relationships, about how, what, is, what does a healthy relationship look like, because they haven't often learnt that at home. I remember at our our wedding reception, um, I had an extended family member come and talk to me during the reception, and give me. he started giving me a whole lot of advice about marriage, which would have been great, except that he was already divorced, and his second marriage wasn't doing well, and his whole family was a shambles, and you know, there was this part of me, I'm going, like, I know that you mean well, you're trying to do this because you love me, but yeah, I probably, I'm not really going to listen, you know. Um, so so family isn't always the best place for us to start we don't get taught this at school they teach us a lot of great stuff but they don't teach us how to change a tyre how to do relationships well or how to balance a checkbook or a banking account (laughs) some of the stuff we really need so we look to places like movies don't we because they talk about relationships all the time such great advice sometimes. In actual fact, some screenwriters have amazing insight into all of the dynamics of human relationships. However, they are often coming at things from quite a different perspective to us, aren't they? Although I've got to say, I got very excited about a film that came up on my Facebook feed this week, The Princess Bride. 30 years since it was released, which is like not good news in that it reminds me of my age. However, what a great movie about, uh, about friendship, about people having each other's backs of just like courage and facing hard things all in the pursuit of true love. True love was the thing that inspired them to like fight giants and conquer those massive rodent things. And you're know, like, they just took on anything that came their way together. And I mean, that's an, a beautiful image of what friendship can be. However, we all kind of have that cynical approach of, yeah, but it's just the movies. It's not real life. Well, that certainly isn't real life. Or we look at books. Now, there's a whole lot of novels written about relationships. We won't go there. Uh, but there's actually some really great self-help books as well, aren't there? Like there's things like The Five Love Languages by, what's his name? Gary Chapman. It's actually a brilliant book in terms of understanding yourself and the people that you relate with to try to figure out how do I give and receive love well? So there's some brilliant books around. There's a reason why Dale Carnegie's book, uh, How to Win Friends and Influence People, is a consistent bestseller with the New York Times bestsellers list because we want to do well in our relationships. However, there's this brilliant resource to us that so few of us remember to go look at, and it's the Bible. It's full of wisdom on how to actually do relationships well. And Proverbs is packed. Like, in preparation for this sermon, I have to warn you, I have culled a lot. I've had to, like, get my red pen out and, like, edit and chop out huge chunks, and all that that was is just actually reading through the book of Proverbs, and just highlighting in one color everything that I thought had to do with doing relationships well, and I'm like, oh my goodness, I have 35 minutes, I'm not even going to come close to scratching all of the good stuff that's in here, so I'm going to give you a few bits, but actually, if you want to really like, look at how do, I, how do I get great at this, spend some time in this book like, maybe over the next few weeks, as we lean into different parts of this, you might want to each week, you know, this week I'm going to read the book and I'm going to highlight everything to do with relationships in one color. And then I might do, you know, whatever's next in a different color. And you'll have this multicolored book in the middle of your Bible, but, but you'll be able to reference it easy. Like orange now is my new favorite color in Proverbs for everything to do with relationships. And it'll be green for something else, which will be next week. But anyway... So today, we're going to look at the book of Proverbs as one of our best resources in terms of equipping us to do healthy relationships that can endure everything that life throws at us. So why don't we pray? I'm going to do something a little different. I'm actually going to invite you to stand. And the reason I'm doing that is I just feel like God actually wants to do something significant in some of us today. And, and you know, it's just about actively participating. Okay. So, Lord, I ask for your presence to be among us today. Lord, I pray that even as we sit, as we listen, as we engage, God, would you give us ears to hear what it is you may have for each one of us today. Lord, would you help each one of us to grow in our ability to create healthy relationships with one another? Because you formed us out of relationship and you've formed us for relationship. So I pray, God, that by the power of your Holy Spirit, you would come and that you would take mere words and use them to change our hearts and help us to become more like you in the process. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. Take a seat. All right. If I was to ask you, what are some of the essential ingredients that we need for healthy relationships? What would be some of the things that you would yell out? Honesty. Sorry? Trust, yep. Patience, understanding. Fun, perfect. Affection. Good point, we need more than one of us. Two people are involved at the very minimum. Communication. You guys are good. (laughs) Okay, so chocolate is an essential ingredient to healthy relationships, as I've just had pointed out. Um... So we're not going to get time to actually unpack all of that, but you're on the right track. You guys already know so much of this stuff. I'm actually going to start with faithfulness. We sang about God's faithfulness this morning, but this is something I actually want to apply to us. Faithfulness and loyalty. They're kind of words that we don't use terribly much these days, do we, really? Um, They're a bit old-worldy, old-school, but uh, they're super important. Let's have a look at what Proverbs has to say in chapter 3. Verse three and four, do not let loyalty and faithfulness forsake you. Bind them around your neck and write them on the tablet of your heart so that you will find favor and good repute in the sight of God and of people. Faithfulness and loyalty, write them on the tablet of your heart. Why on earth would faithfulness and loyalty be so important? The reason that they're important, if you stop and think about it, faithfulness and loyalty is the soil from which trust grows. And we all know that relationships that doesn't have any trust, they don't really have real relationship, do they? Or friendship. You know, part of being faithful, we've got to stop and actually think, what does faithfulness and loyalty look like? You know, the only times I ever really hear the word loyalty used these days is when it's talking about those loyalty programs to get you to... Um, buy more from a certain store. They're like, would you like a loyalty card? You know, you end up with like a wadge of these cards that you can't actually fit into anything. Uh, But they've come up with a genius solution now. They just keep your details in the store. But that's really the only time that I hear people talk about loyalty is when it's to do with our spending, not about spending ourselves for the sake of others. Loyalty and faithfulness, what does that look like in reality? One of the things is, is that we are all-weather friends. We are not the ones that just stick around for the good times, but we're the people who hang in there through everything. Oprah Winfrey, she said this, lots of people want to ride with you in the limo, but what you want is someone who will take the bus with you when the limo breaks down. Or Marlene Dietrich, who was that amazing actress in the 40s. She says, it's the friends you can call up at 4 a.m. that matter. Those are the people that are faithful and loyal, that know you and love you in spite of knowing you. You know, they're the ones that have hung in there with you. The thing is, is that as we go through hard times, that's actually the stuff, the, the most resilient relational glue is when we weather hard things together. When we choose to commit to one another and actually be there for each other when stuff is hard. You know, in Proverbs seventeen, 17 we're told that a friend loves at all times, not just the good times, all times, and kinsfolk, or family, are born to share adversity. Our families are there for us to turn to when things are hard. Now, we talk about Coast Vineyard as being family. And, and we're actually thrilled with the quality of relationships that are our normal here. We love that. And this is what we want to lean into more and more and more. Because if we're family, then we, we are born, we are created to share adversity with one another. We talk a lot when we do our um, welcome lunches. We talk to people and we say, one of the things we value here is being real. Now, that sounds fantastic. People are like, oh, that's awesome. That is awesome when things are going well. That is super hard to live when you're actually not doing well because that's when we feel really vulnerable being real. But that's what we're actually invited to do. On Labor Day, so not this week, last week, last Monday, we had a bunch of people turn up at a family's house in Gulf Harbour. Now, we have one of our families here in church where he has just had to go through surgery a little while ago, and a result of that surgery is that he now can't walk. And he has a young family, him and his wife are raising, so he's not able to work. He's now having to like, rely on a whole lot of extra support and now having to have work with a physio to, to regain the use of his muscles and his legs. So they are, you know, they'd just gotten a bit overwhelmed with all of this and just needed some help. And so we had a bunch of people turn up on Monday. A lot of them didn't know these guys, but they turned up to just help in the garden and do a whole bunch of things just to help kind of help them keep up with everything. Now, this isn't just going to be like a one-time thing that this family needs. This is something that we're going to need to journey together in, aren't we? The amazing thing is, is that not only was that an amazing experience for the family who were receiving what it was like to have friends that are with them in the middle of adversity, it's also, it was great for the people that were doing it. They loved it. And their neighbours were like blown away by what they saw happening. Because I don't know if you remember Labor Day Monday, it was not the sunniest of days. And yet there were people out there doing this stuff because they care. We get to model a whole different way of doing relationships by actually living this stuff out, particularly through the hard things. Proverbs 18.24 tells us that some friends play at friendship, but a true friend sticks closer than one's nearest kin. We get to choose to do that. Another thing that we would want to develop if we're wanting to have healthy relationships is, as someone pointed out, communication. And one of the places for us to really start thinking about our communication with one another is to realize the power that there is in our words. Proverbs puts it like this in chapter 18, verse 21 Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruits. The message translation puts it this way words kill, and words give life. They're either poison or fruit. You choose. We have the power wrapped up in this tiny little thing in our mouth to actually speak life to people, to speak life, to call out the best in one another, to believe the best, to call that out, to tell each other what the good that we see in each other. We can't assume that people are getting that from their families or from other places. We get, if we've been put in somebody's life, we get to be that for them. And they get to be that for us. That means that we do not leave any room for gossip or for slander. Slander, if you're not sure, because we don't really use that word either. We know what gossip is. Slander is actually speaking about someone in such a way that other people will think less of them. I think that actually happens a bunch. And we do it a lot of the time to make us feel better about ourselves, if we're honest. But we just can't leave room for that. Because lies and gossip and slander is not speaking life. That is speaking death. That is squishing someone. We all know, probably, we've probably at some point been on the receiving end of words from a teacher or from a parent or from someone that was significant in our lives that they've actually done the opposite of speaking life to us, and we've felt squished or crushed or broken or hurt by what they've said. But we get to do it different if we choose different. Henry Ford, the great Henry Ford, whose cars are still around, he said this, my best friend is the one who brings out the best in me. That is what we can do in our friendships with one another. Part of that communication thing isn't just speaking, it's listening. It's definitely a two-way thing. For those of us who are a little like me and are Little chatty. Uh, listening is actually a skill we have to cultivate, we have to learn. Some of you are definitely better at that instinctively than I have been. I've had to consciously learn how to listen. I still will come away sometimes from conversations and think, oh shoot, I said way too much. I should have listened more. But I'm, I'm still kind of working on that one. But listening is really important, you know, and we don't just listen. You know how you can be in a conversation? I hope this isn't just me but you can be in a conversation and you're listening to the person, but actually you're kind of listening so you can formulate what you're going to say next? Yeah, yeah. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about listening, actively listening, seeking to understand what the other person is saying, what their heart is, what are they actually really communicating? That's the kind of listening we want to cultivate. Proverbs tells us this, if one gives an answer before hearing, it is folly and shame. So often we're really quick to react or to say something, aren't we? Because in our self-centered world, we think that what we have to say matters way more than everybody else. And, and it can make us really quick to say something without properly listening first. And the Proverbs would say it's folly to do that. It's foolish, foolishness. We don't want to stay there. So that's something that we can choose to change. And I think, you know, one of the big things with communication is we just have to commit to talking and listening to one another. We just have to commit ourselves to communication. I remember uh, when we were at um, The Girl Called Hope this week, someone was asking us some things about communication and and we were just talking about um, a situation that happened. It was when our eldest daughter was about 12. And she was sort of right on the cusp of entering the teenage world. And, uh, and she said to us, um, she said to me one day, she said, do teenagers have to hate their parents? And we, you know, we got on good. So I was like, oh my goodness, where has this come from? You know, I was like, no, you don't have to hate your parents. What, you know, what is that about? She said, well, it's just that everything you see on TV or if you watch the movies or whatever, teenagers don't like their parents. And like, it seems like the parents really don't like them much either. You know, like they don't, they just shout at each other and they don't like hanging out anymore. And like, is that just what you have to do? I'm like, no. No, (laughs) let's be clear, N-O, we are going to do that different. However, the only way that we are going to be able to get through your teenage years is if we talk to each other and try to understand each other because there is going to be loads of change that's going to happen in the next five years, six years in your life. And and no one gave us a handbook on how to do this with you. So we're going to have to figure it out together. So, my commitment to you is that I will keep talking to you even when I don't feel like it. I'm asking you to make the same commitment, but I can't make you do it. Anyway, at the ripe old age of 12, she's like, yeah, that sounds good, because it's easy then, isn't it? However, there were definitely times we've had to do this with certainly our two older girls. We haven't quite got there yet with our youngest, but uh, but I've had to remind them of that conversation because I ended up having that conversation with each of them. So like this is the only way we get to actually figure out how to do relationship with all the changes that come as a normal part of growing up, is if we both do our part and commit ourselves to talking to each other. Hope that's helpful. But let's whether it's with our kids, whether it was our spouse, whether it's with our friends, if we want to be understood, if we want to understand and build genuine, great relationships, let's commit to talking and listening to each other. Another thing that we're going to want to get good at is managing anger. Proverbs, honestly, there were so many verses about be slow to anger. You know, the wise are slow to anger. This is something that we're going to need to rein in if we want to do well. We're taught it often there. In chapter 19, verse 11, it says, Those with good sense are slow to anger, and it is their glory to overlook an offence. The reality is, is that we are going to feel angry. So this isn't talking about pretending, Okay, and kind of internalizing and doing all sorts of nasty things on the inside. This is about us being honest with our feelings so we can be angry. However, we have to be super careful with what we do when we're angry. So this is where, you know, anger management's about reining it in enough that we can express how we're feeling without name calling, without blaming, without yelling and screaming necessarily. It's about working this through in healthy ways so that we don't do more damage in the moment of us being angry, that then we have to try and figure that out. So basically, in whatever friendship or relationship we have, we have to decide we're going to fight fear. We can still have arguments. We're going to disagree. We do at our house anyway. We've got five very strong-minded people. We do not see the world the same way, and we bump up against each other. It's just life. But let's commit to actually fighting fear and and just treating each, each other well in the midst of our conflicts with one another, which takes us to this next thing, which is working through conflict. This is super important for us. We cannot ignore this. In church, it can be a little bit like we're all supposed to be so nice. We're not meant to have conflict. We are one in the Lord. Have you looked around at how many people there are here? It is inevitable that we're going to step on each other's toes. We are going to inadvertently hurt one another, either by what we say or by what we do. I don't think there would be anyone in this room that would go, I'm out to get that person. I'm going to be mean. None of us do that. We're good people. However, we are going to do that accidentally. We're going to say stuff that's going to hurt somebody, even if we didn't mean to. So we cannot just ignore that conflict is going to be a normal part of us being church together. Okay? Okay? Okay. We cannot be scared of this and we cannot pretend it's not there. Proverbs 25 verse 9 gives us a great solution of how to start dealing with this. It says, argue your case with your neighbor directly. Go to the person that you have the problem with. It's your neighbor. It's someone close. It's not, you know, and that's, that's what's going to happen to us, not just in the church, but in our families and with our actual neighbours and with friends. When we have a problem, go to the person we have the problem with. Don't go to everybody else and tell them about it. It's so tempting to do that, isn't it? It's like kind of, it gives us the opportunity to justify our position, kind of rally some strength, because we're right. That's so not helpful. If we're wanting to resolve conflict, if we want to be reconciled to one another, we have to go and talk to the person themselves. The other thing that Proverbs would tell us is that we should do it quickly. Uh, I want to jump out of the Old Testament, go into the New Testament, which was written after Jesus came. But the Apostle Paul said this in Ephesians 4.26, in your anger, do not sin. So he's saying we're going to get angry. Just do not sin when you're in it. And he says, do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. Now, in an ideal world, if we could resolve all our problems before the end of the day and we can all sleep great, that would be awesome. However, I'm a realist. I know that that's not always possible. Sometimes we actually, we've got to just process our feelings, because we can be angry about some big things. And so, you know, we kind of have to do kind of due diligence. However, that encouragement is don't let it fester. Don't let it simmer. We stew on this stuff. It doesn't do good things. We had friends years ago when we were pastoring our previous church, and they were really great friends. And then we sort of noticed that this kind of this coolness, not cool as in I'm so cool, it's cool as in distance, seemed to appear in our relationship with them, we were like we don 't know what 's happened, but something feels different and and we didn 't really know what to do with it, so we thought, oh it'll probably go away and we left it and it but it just got worse, and we started then having these niggly things come up you know between them and us that had never been there before and and we were honestly we just didn 't know what to do, and we were also honestly probably a bit chicken you know to like confront it because we don 't like confronting hard things like that, it's just, you don't quite know what to do, and so um, it just got worse, it went on for months, and in the end, we were like, this is ridiculous, like, we don't even know what this is about, but this has gotten really bad now, and like, we couldn't be together as friends, like, and have it be easy anymore, we didn't really know what to do, but we were like, we invited them over, and it's like, guys, we don't know what's happened, but like, over this last few months, there's this distance that's there with us now, and, and just irritability and reaction stuff happening that never used to be there, What's happened? And they then vented quite a lot about a one-time thing that I can't even remember now what it was, but it was something we'd said or something we'd done that had hurt them, where they felt misunderstood. And then because they didn't come talk to us about it, every single thing from that point on, they, they viewed through the lens of their hurt. And so where once we'd been close, now we had this distance between us that we could have all resolved much quicker if we dealt with it at the beginning. So then not only did we have that one thing to have to deal with, we had all the things that had happened in between. That's what happens if we don't deal with things quickly. If we just simmer and stew, the other thing we tend to do when we're doing that is then we go talk to other people and try and kind of get them on our side, which is like, here's a good piece of advice that Proverbs tells us, don't get involved in other people's arguments refuse to be drawn into their quarrels. They put it like this. It's actually brilliant. Proverbs 26, 17. You grab a mad dog by the ears when you butt into a quarrel that's none of your business. I mean, it's pretty, you know, it's it's actually not pretty. You grab a mad dog by the ears when you get yourself involved in other people's stuff. Encourage them. If someone comes talking to you about a problem they have with someone, encourage them to go talk to the person face-to-face. Go, can I just stop you there? Sounds like you've got something going on with that person. Why don't you go talk to them about it? Because I actually can't fix this for you, but you guys will be able to. And step away. Don't grab the mad dog. All right? Another piece of advice for you. How are we going? I'm going to jump a couple things, Zach, so just for the PowerPoint. So we're going to just jump straight to uh, forgiveness. Because if we're going to have conflict and we're going to do communication well, then forgiveness is an, a really important ingredient in how we do this. Forgiveness is something that we're going to have to get good at extending towards others and asking for for ourselves. We have to be able to say, I'm sorry, because we're going to make mistakes. We just are. Proverbs 17 verse 9 says, Anyone who forgives and affront fosters friendship. Forgiveness fosters friendship. But one who dwells on disputes will alienate a friend. It's just what I was just describing. If we brew on things without resolving them, without getting to a place of being able to forgive one another, we will alienate one another. We will push each other away, even if that wasn't our intention. That's what will happen. So forgiveness. Jesus modeled this for us. It's really easy for us to talk about as something that we want to aspire to. It's not always easy to live into because we get hurt. And it can hurt really bad. However, we are called to love at all times. And part of loving is communicating, is resolving and reconciling ourselves to one another. And forgiveness is part of that process. So what do we do This is a little random add-on, but what do we do if we have a recurring issue that just keeps coming up in the relationships that we have? You know, you meet people sometimes, and they'll say, you know, I went and worked at this place, but my boss, oh my gosh, they were so completely unreasonable, I couldn't talk to them, I left that job. I went and got another job. But that place, man, the people I was working with, they were not kind, they did not get me at all, so I left. Then I started this other, you know, it's like there's this pattern. And it seems like sometimes that issues reoccur over and over and over. So if that happens, here's a bracing moment. Who is the common denominator? We are. If we have issues keeping on reoccurring in our lives, we cannot keep blaming everybody else for them. Highly likely, it is God's way of drawing your attention to something he wants to help you with. And that is vitally important in terms of developing our character. But it is really hard to face. But because he loves you, he will bring it around again and again and again. And he uses people to do that. So if any of us have got stuff that just keeps on reoccurring and it's the same kind of issues, then please, please, would you be honest with God and yourself? And if you need to, get some help with that, but don't ignore it because it's something that obviously God thinks is important to resolve and work through with you. So where do we go from here? How do we continue to create these relationships? You know, like I just think, you know, you guys, you do such a fine job of building friendships. It's one of the one things I love about this church is just how many friendships have developed in the last four and a half years. You know, we get together, we have parties and we do different things together. And I look around the room and I see people connecting with one another and friendships happening in different places that didn't exist a few years ago. It's very, very cool. So how do we keep investing in those so that we do well and we can have really healthy relationships that are going to endure everything that comes our way? Well, first of all, immerse ourselves in Jesus and the activity of the Holy Spirit because it starts with us, each one of us. We need him to get in us and to change us. You know, do you remember, for those of you who are older and we're around in the 70s, we had Mrs. Marsh with the Colgate FluorGuard ad Anyone remember those? Okay, for you younger ones, let me recap. Um, there was a lady, she came in, she had this great little demo with a piece of chalk which she dunked inside of a cup of dye and the dye got in. And she would go, okay, fluoride, this does get in, just like the dye gets into this chalk. Well, here's the thing. Not only does dye get into chalk and fluoride get into teeth, Jesus gets into us when we immerse ourselves in him when we allow the Holy Spirit to come and change us from the inside out. He is the one who changes us. Wisdom in Scripture is talked about as a person who ultimately is personified in the person of Jesus. Jesus is the one who is wisdom and that we can run to and learn from. And we learn that through reading Scripture, through prayer, through just being aware of Him in our lives and paying attention to what it is He's doing in us. It will get in. And we, the next thing we want to do is we want to then start putting some of these things into practice. Like as you've been listening this morning, it may be this, that so one thing has kind of grabbed your attention. You've gone, yep, I want to do that better. Or I want to start to do this this way. Well, will start there. Start practicing. We, 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 If we want to have these sorts of friendships, we need to be these kinds of people because then we will attract, you know, that whole birds of a feather thing. We attract people who are like us, generally. Might be that we all love running. But if you love running, you seem to find other people that love running or photography or, you know, whatever it is. Well, the same thing applies with this. The more we fall in love with the stuff, the more that Jesus gets a hold of us and gets in us and changes us, we suddenly find our lives. have got more of those people in it because we're drawn to one another and we get to speak life to one another and pull it out of us. And the last thing I want to speak about is as we do this is that we, we need to prioritise, protect, preserve, and pursue unity in our relationships so that we are healthy in them. Unity is super important. On Labor Weekend, we had a, a retreat with some of our, um, a number of our leaders here from Coast Vineyard, and we spent some time on the Saturday morning and uh, did our best to hear from God. You know, we had some worship, we all went away and waited on God and tried to just hear what it is that he wants to speak to us as for this season that we're in church and for us as we plan and move forward. It was an amazing time. And one of the things that came out was this thing of unity, that we need and are called to be vitally united to Jesus and to one another. Unity is about becoming whole or something being whole when it's made up of multiple parts. Well, that's the church. We are only whole when we're connected to one another, when we have each other's backs. Unity, protecting unity within our church relationships and whether you can apply this to your family, to your friends, it's believing the best of one another. It's speaking well of one another. It's doing the stuff we've just talked about. If we have a problem, we go sort it out with that person. We don't gossip. We do not allow slander or lies to come in. And some of those things are slippery things and they can sneak their way in and we have to do everything we can to not let that happen. So that's what I want to invite us into is to do to pursue that way of living. And I'll just finish with this last quote if I can find the piece of paper. They've stuck. I think if I've learned anything about friendship, it's to hang in, stay connected, fight for them and let them fight for you. Don't walk away, don't be distracted, don't be too busy or tired and don't take them for granted. Friends are part of the glue that holds life and faith together. Why don't we stand? As I was thinking about ministry today, because we always want to make time for us to be able to respond to God, and so some of you may want to respond to something that was in that message, which would be great, but I actually feel like I've been bothered for the last few weeks by the fact that I know that we have people here at church who are continuing to wrestle with long-term stuff, health stuff in particular, that they just can't seem to get clear of. Now, we've been, you know, Matt made reference to how we have people pray uh, regularly for people here. And we've had amazing answers to prayer. We've had people get jobs after long-term unemployment. We've had people get pregnant who hadn't been able to get pregnant. You know, we've had awesome answers to prayer. But it bothers me that we've got some people who are wrestling with long-term health issues. And one of the things that I think we can do as a unified church is to pray for one another. Because it doesn't matter where we are in our faith journey, we can want the best for another person, can't we? Even if this is new to us, we can support that. So what I'd love to do, for some of you, even as I'm saying it, you'll think, yeah, well, I've got a thing, but I've had it for so long, I'm just used to it now. You don't have to be. You shouldn't have to be. So what I'd love to do if you would be happy to join me is actually invite anyone who has got a long-term persistent issue, whether that's health or anything else, and you don't have to go into all the details, but you'll know, probably because your heart's racing and you're like, is that me? Should I come down? I'd love you to come down. Would you join me up the front? And then what I want us to do, the whole church, not just a handful of people up the front, I want all of us to pray our best prayers, inviting God's spirit to come and bring healing and freedom, and release. Would you join me in that? Yeah. So if if any of you are experiencing any of those things, would you come forward now and just join me up here? I'm actually one of them. I live with an autoimmune disease that even when I was processing all of this, I was thinking, oh yeah, but I'm just used to that. And I felt like God said, well, why? I've had lots of prayer thus far. God hasn't seen it's time to heal me. But I keep coming forward for prayer. Anybody else? Very cool. Okay. So these guys have taken the brave step of actually coming forward. Now what I'd love to invite you to do is will you respond and be the unified church? Be us taking our part, being our part, playing our part and surrounding them and praying our best prayers for them. Come, come all the way along here, guys, because we're going to get people to come around you. So what you would do is you'd come up and you'd introduce yourself to whoever it is you're going to pray for and you'd ask them what they would like prayer for. They don't have to go into their whole medical history. That could be really long for some of us. Uh, but just get the gist of it and then invite God's Holy Spirit to come and then pray your best prayers, underpinned by love. So come on up. You don't have to know them. In fact, sometimes that's more helpful, to be honest, because you don't get kind of sidetracked by what you know. Come and join them. Because even if you stay in the pews, I'm going to be getting you to pray. So if you're down here in it, you kind of just get into the fun of it all. You don't even have to be good at this. You don't even have to know what you're doing. Just come join in. As long as there's someone there that seems like they know what they're doing, we'll be fine. Awesome. There's no age limit on this. So our youngest people, our kids can pray and see healing come. So just spread yourselves around. Say hi. Glenn, you can move it. Glenn, move it out of your way. Pull it right back. That's cool. Alright, those of us who are still in the pews, can you join me in praying? What I'd like you to do, you can keep your eyes open. You don't have to close your eyes. You can be watching what's happening. Yep, this is for you guys back there. You can watch what's happening. You may want to reach your hand out towards the people who are in the front. And we're going to pray. And will you just join me? So you want to pray it in your heart and in your head. So Lord God, we thank you for every one of the people that have come here this morning, who have responded to your your invitation. And Lord, we ask now as the church, as other members of this family who love these people, even if we don't know them, Lord, would you come and would you meet with each one of them? And by the power of your Holy Spirit, would you bring healing? for all of the different issues or illnesses that are represented here today, and even maybe some that aren't, that are still sitting down, Lord, I ask that you would come. You tell us that your Spirit is with us at all times. Jesus told us, go do the things that I did, and you prayed for the sick, and you saw them healed. And so, Lord, that is what we ask for today. And then, guys in the back, just just keep praying. Just as you know, you're looking at different people. As thoughts come into your mind, just pray them for the betterment of the people that are up here. We're just going to do that for a few more minutes, and then we'll uh, we might sing to finish up. But let's just keep praying. as we're praying, for those of you who are receiving prayer, if you came up and there's something, there's a way for you to know if something's changed, like if you've got a bung knee, test it. See if there's any change. See what you couldn't do before. See if you can do it now. Some of these things aren't going to be there. We we aren't going to be able to measure that quite so easily. And guys, if it's still there, then just pray again. your Holy Spirit come, would you just pour your love out on each one of these? Demonstrate your love by bringing freedom and healing and wholeness. the thing with prayer is you don't have to be in a hurry sometimes things take a while we're not always very good at kind of waiting and taking our time, we sort of want to rush if you finish praying, go back to your seats going to finish up by singing one last song together, just the chorus, so why don't we all stand we're going to check in with these guys at the end, if any of you have kind of felt like you've encountered God this morning, we'd love to hear back from you but I'm going to hand it over to Kiran. So powerful name Zach, yep so why don't you join us in singing this and then we're going to finish up
1: silence the boast of sin and grave. The heavens are roaring, the praise of your name it is what a powerful name it is the name of Jesus Christ mighty what a powerful name it is nothing can stand against what a powerful name it is the name What a powerful name it is, the name of Jesus. All
0: right, why don't we pray as we leave today. So Lord, we are grateful for your presence here with us this morning. Lord, we ask that as we go that you'd continue the work that you started here today. Lord, whether it's stuff around this relationship, things that you're wanting to do in us, whether it's that you continue to heal, bring healing to these ones that have responded. But God, we ask that you would come and that you'd fill us so that as we go, we go full of the power of the Holy Spirit, that we get to give it away everywhere we go. Thank you for this family. Thank you for the friends that are growing and the friendships that are growing and developing here. And we ask, God, that you would protect them, protect us. And, God, that you would help make us the kind of people that can create really healthy, robust, life-giving relationships with one another. So, Lord, we commit ourselves into your care once again. In Jesus' wonderful name, amen. Amen. Great having you here coffee's on, the life group leaders are over there if you want to go chat with them, there'll be baking coming around, hang out, make friends.